0: This is an ABC podcast. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I've always wanted to be a vet as far as I can remember. My mom had stories of me as a kid, you know, crawling in the bushes, just watching ants go about the day.
2: In primary school, we had... A lot of extracurricular activities that were aligned to theatre, you know, a lot of writing. It always seemed like um, more of a hobby. It was never something I took seriously, but it was always something that was there.
3: I was quite sickly. I used to have asthma and um, I regularly went to the hospital. and, And so my mom sat down with me once and told me that, you know, you have to be a doctor so you can look after yourself when you grow bigger. So since then, I've been, it was ingrained in my mind that I had to do medicine. We don't
0: always grow up to do our dream jobs. And for girls growing up in the Pacific, becoming, say, a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer, it means going to university. And that can mean having to leave your country. And once you have moved abroad to study, chances are you will find more opportunities if you stay overseas. So, what draws professional, qualified, talented women back to their homeland? I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about the Pacific brain gain, being a professional in the Pacific. called a brain drain, when people leave their country to study and work overseas. But some people choose to bring that knowledge and experience back to their homeland, so that their community can benefit. We're calling it a brain gain, and I want to introduce you to four remarkable university-educated women who were determined to give back to their countries. As a child who needed the doctor a lot, Seriana Natuman knew from an early age that she would become a doctor. However, there is no medical school in her country, Vanuatu, so she went to Fiji School of Medicine, but she was determined to return to Vanuatu.
3: It's really rewarding working back at home. The health system is not up to par, and so helping the most vulnerable, the grassroots who cannot afford services outside, Um, It's quite good because especially when you get your specialist services, you can improve the services, your local services, and provide that care to them. Consistently being here and providing a a specialist service does does make a big difference to the locals in our country, especially since they cannot afford other services outside.
0: Dr. Natuman is the Acting Director of Creative and Hospital Services for the Ministry of Health in Port Vila. She was at the forefront of the COVID-19 response in Vanuatu. Keeping the community safe and informed was an enormous challenge.
3: Especially because it's a infectious disease and we had to improve a lot of things from being IPC to medications to making a hospital able to cater for severe disease. All that thing was important to put in place before we had COVID. So we were starting from very little and then we had to move very fast, and at the same time, I learned so much about a lot of the other issues associated with COVID that I wouldn't have learned if COVID hadn't come.
0: I was following your your updates on Facebook, and one thing that really, really, I was really impressed about was you speaking in your own language, Bislama, and just simplifying information. And the awareness was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Does it make a big difference in the way um, people respond to you? Especially when you're local compared to international doctors.
2: Oh yes,
3: yes. A lot of information out there is always in English, always in French, and and so the grassroots. A lot of information they they misinterpreted. They did not understand, and so there was a lot of uh, hesitancy just because of that. And and for us, if if we we're able to already understand that information, and then just you know bring it down to our local language for people to understand they really do appreciate it a lot of people do appreciate it and then like now when i go to you know workshops and that's not health related the information that they get the people the way that people talk like they know more about covid you know and and it's because of what we've been doing we've been breaking it down to simple terms that our locals can understand and also terms that we live with every day that they understand it really does make a huge difference.
0: What would you say to y- young girls around the Pacific and Vanuatu who are listening and want to follow your path and become a doctor as well and give back to their community?
3: Keep working very hard and you uh, get your priorities right. If your priorities is to become a doctor then you work very hard to reach that target and um, not try to lose your way in between because there's a lot of challenges that comes in between. There's a lot of, uh, obstacles that can affect you. So just keep working very hard. Um, and also think about your families, your, your families back at at home that really depend on you becoming a, a doctor, not only because, you know, financial reasons, but also because when a child is a doctor, it does help a lot of uh, families in terms when they're sick, it helps you to be seen and to understand what diseases you might have. Um, and that's the same reason why I decided to become a doctor is also to help my parents when they're sick, keep working very hard and you'll be able to achieve your goals.
0: Dr. Seriana Natuman is the Acting Director of Creative and Hospital Services with the Ministry of Health in Port Vila, Vanuatu. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Dr. Tanya Ariori also discovered her dream career during her childhood. For as long as she can remember, she wanted to be a vet. Even when she was a toddler, a mother used to watch her study and send grasshoppers. So cute.
1: When I was a toddler, she'd look for me because I'd be hiding among the bushes, watching the ants and moving along with them and catching grasshoppers and doing these little things that, you know, indicated that I actually really loved animals.
0: Tanya's father worked in agriculture and her mother was a midwife. So growing up in Papua New Guinea, she was influenced by their professions. But for a girl who dreamed of becoming a vet, there were only a handful of vets in the country and none of them were women. She also knew studying veterinary
1: science wouldn't be easy. For one, it's a difficult degree to study. And the other, you needed money to be able to study. And the course is only offered overseas. But despite that, I just continued asking questions about how to get where I needed to go. And then everything else just fell into place. And I ended up studying vet.
0: (laughs) Fortunately, she won a scholarship, which helped her move to Australia to study a Bachelor of Veterinary Science at Charles Sturt University in Wagga Wagga. She went on to become the first female vet in Papua New Guinea.
1: But when she began her studies, there was another big challenge. Because I, I was a mom at that time and um, I had to leave my son. He was nine months old when I left to study in back in 2015. He's eight years old now. (laughs) And when I, you know, left in the first year, it was very exciting because, you know, this had been what I wanted to do for such a long time. When I got there, I I was really excited. But then as I got into the second year and uh, separation anxiety and, you know, the school where I studied, it was out in the country. So not a lot of Pacific Islanders were out there in Wagga Wagga and not a lot of Papua New Guineans as well. Um, So yeah, I did become uh, homesick and I missed my son. So there was a lot of adjusting to do at that time. Uh,
0: Your baby joined you eventually in Australia. How did you juggle mom life uh, with school?
1: Oh yes, He, he joined me when he was about three. It was difficult, but yeah, I'm still surprised how, I, how we <laughs> managed to get through that, but we did. I think when you're put in a situation where you have to, you know, adapt and uh, do what you have to do, I think people are capable of, you know, anything. That's wonderful. And
0: you've been doing it in Australia for six years and you returned to PNG yes. um, to put your new skills into action. What was it like to return home after so many years away?
1: Yeah, it felt, um, I was really happy coming back home, um, being near family, and I had a job already lined up uh, with the National Agricultural Quarantine Inspection Authority, so I was really excited to get started and learn from my uh, colleagues. We had African swine fever outbreak at the same time, so um, when we started working, uh, when I started working, you know, it was all full on and We were in like the emergency, I guess, phase of dealing with the animal health outbreak. And what has been the biggest
0: challenge for you as PNG's first female vet?
1: I think, you know, the biggest challenge would be we don't have a lot of peers that we can be able to, you know, sit down and discuss with, apart from uh, amongst ourselves at work and uh, with colleagues overseas as well and apart from that is the 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 challenges of working in the country itself with respect to resources being available to do what you need to do and you know when i uh, was studying I, I thought i would be working in a clinic and then i came to start work and then i was thrown into biosecurity which was probably a small percentage of what you actually uh, studied at uni for vet. Mostly it's all clinical, uh, clinical work. So readjusting and I guess readjusting your goals at the same time. What are some rewards for all the hard work that you do and following your passion? Um, I think being a female in a degree or in a profession that um, you know, not a lot of women are, are part of, by achieving uh, what I did, uh, hopefully, you know, um, it, you know, inspires women and, you know, not just young women, but women with kids and or single moms that, you know, you can be able to, you know, achieve your dreams no matter what, as long as you put your mind to it and that was one of the, I guess, rewarding things of becoming a vet and, you know, finding out that at the end of the study that you're going to be the only female vet in your country. What has made you return to PNG and share your skills back home? There is such a huge need for vets and animal health officers or para-veterinary professionals because now we're in a at a time where we have outbreaks of all sorts. Um, We have uh, foot and mouth disease and lumpy skin disease just across the borders in Indonesia. Um, And we had African swine fever come in and come through and we've seen how it has impacted the uh, livelihoods of people, their income, uh, the the culture.
0: How important is it, in your opinion, for people to return home to their countries of origin and uh, with their skills and give back?
1: I think it's really important because for a country to be able to develop the most important resources are human beings. And there's a saying that goes that if not uh, me, then who? And if not now, then when? So for us to be able to make the changes that we want to see happen in our country, it has to be up to us to do that. And um, we can all contribute in one way or another to make those changes happen. What an
0: inspiration Dr. Tanya Areori is to go from being a toddler catching grasshoppers and ants to becoming the first female vet in Papua New Guinea. While Pacific Island countries need women in vital fields like medicine and science, the arts is also an important industry where girls need role models and opportunities to pursue their artistic practice in their own country. Sedela Nongabato is a writer and actor from the production house, Dreamcast Theatre, Solomon Islands, as well as writers and actors, the theatre is home to people from across the arts.
2: It encompasses so many different arts. There, We have our writers there, which I'm a part of the group. We have our theatre um, gang there as well. We have our audio crew, our videographers. We have our dancers, our ethno-dances as well. So it's a new niche, I guess, in the Solomon Space Dreamcast Theatre. And I think we are really picking up attention. Everyone in town knows us. And overseas as well, we've had a few people coming to us for a few of our shows that were done last year. There's an ethno show, which was one of the first. We combined theatre and ethno music and it was one of the best things a lot of people have seen. It really brought a lot of things back to our culture and the preservation of culture as well. Zedela wasn't always planning to work in the arts. She
0: got a degree in psychology and sociology from the University of South Pacific in Fiji.
2: I really wanted to study psychology just for the fact that mental health here in the Solomon Islands is a huge problem. I guess it's the elephant in the room as well here back at home. So I really wanted to see how we could amplify mental health as a concept for people and how we would be able to address it as well as individuals. Because it's really one of those important issues that should be of national concern, but unfortunately isn't, although it cuts across so many different areas and so many different social issues that are coming up. Personally, I would, I have different points in my life where I get extremely depressed and that really shows through my writing, but then again, my writing has become more of a coping mechanism and that's that's really been one of the things that has helped me through very difficult moments in my life.
0: Sadella wanted to use her qualifications to help other Solomon Islanders experiencing issues with mental health.
2: I guess I had that textbook version of um, accomplishments and how you would come back to your country and just get a job in the area that you, you went and studied for. But that did not work out for me. Because I came home and, well, mental health, unfortunately, is systematically suffocated as well because in the ministries they don't really have much support going into a mental health unit in the Ministry of Health here as well. So that was unfortunately quite devastating for me being a fresh university graduate and wanting to do things. That's when I joined Dreamcast Theatre and to be honest I think that was an even better place space to really start conversation on mental health, and it's a huge instrument in bringing that to attention. Many
0: artists move to cities and countries with thriving art scenes, somewhere with opportunities to pursue a career in the arts. But for now, Sadella wants to stay in Solomon Islands.
2: I really want to focus on home, like being here in the Solomons. I think I really want, you know, for some of us that have Made some sort of progress in our arts with our skills to really mentor the other ones, the young ones that that are coming up as well, the ones in the provinces, you know, because we are based in Honiara, and those in the provinces probably will be inspired by this, but it's just that the lack of access as well going to them. But it's something we, as a production house at Dreamcast Theater, we are really looking into, and it's not impossible. So. As as much as there is an allure for the life outside of the islands, I would really like to focus on my people and how we can collectively grow as a people as well.
0: That's lovely. Through the arts. That's lovely. And what is the creative industry space like in Solomon Islands?
2: It is growing. I've seen that it is growing and a lot of young people are really coming into this space. And that's a very good thing to see as well, because I think the narrative of the arts is a very frowned upon discipline and job here and as well as in other places. So seeing a lot of young people coming to, into the creative industry now and really honing their arts and skills is, is a refreshing thing to see. And mm. I, I think it will continue
0: it's great to hear and you've written all and carved out a career as a writer um what's one of your best work that you're so proud of
2: um i guess i'm still trying to wrap my head around this um the idea of actually being a writer and having it as a career because it's always been something that i've done but i've never really looked at it professionally that's something i'm i'm trying to i guess settle in my in my head as well but um recently with my work under one of save the children's um projects it's called the library for all project i published uh seven of my books for children's stories so yeah first first real major um publishing of my material was with them and i managed to get the books in hard copy just a week few weeks ago that's amazing! Congratulations! Quite, yeah, thank you, Thomas. It was—I mean, I—I I couldn't believe that you know I—I—I I, I managed to just put a few sentences on paper and sent it through, and yeah, now I have six, six, seven books in my hand with my name on it, and it's illustrated, and it's the story of my people, and it's for children to read. So it's—it's—it's it's, it's an amazing feeling. Like I've—I've I've never felt that that bliss before and it's definitely something I'm going to want to always run after that feeling that that's it's it's amazing
0: staying where she is does come with a sacrifice for Sadella. she knows that there would be more opportunities and better income if she left
2: I say that purely because there's greater recognition of let's say, writing or the content of the writing as well, understand that Pacific writing, it hasn't gathered as much attention compared to maybe more Western-centric styles of writing. Hmm. So based on the material we could bring into such a large, um, I guess, market, it would definitely bring more attention and definitely bring more money. But I think seeing as the fact that writing and other skills involved, artistically, are still quite new here in the Solomons. It also has a niche of itself where you could get a little more money, but compared to outside markets, maybe, definitely outside markets would jump up a lot more money and a lot more um, recognition of the art as well, because they already have standardized um, levels of looking at the art that you produce as well as the material that you are producing in comparison to the material that is all already out there.
0: But you still think that it's important to give back as well?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's probably one of the main things that has driven me and has always been part of my work ethic. You need to have that instilled somewhere in your backbone or in your brain somewhere that you 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 belong somewhere and you you always need to Have that linkage, you always need to give back. And it doesn't matter that if you know, sometimes we get blindsided by this, you know, just give back to your people, to your province only, to your family only. But that philosophy, it should apply to every single person you meet, every person that you work with, and anyone else that you encounter. Have that spirit of giving back and not having expectations attached to it.
0: Sedella has this message for
2: aspiring
0: young artists in Solomon Islands and throughout the Pacific.
2: Be strong in what in what you believe in, and what you bring to the table, and have a good sense of self-worth so that whatever you do is your own and it is not stifled, it's not suffocated, and it's not dominated by you know, other trains of thought or people other external influences. Find that space within yourself where where you you hold as true to yourself. And that will always come out through your arts. I think a strong sense of self-belief and a strong sense of community as well. Know where you come from. Th- these things will anchor us wherever we are in the world.
0: What amazing advice from writer and actor Sedela Nongabatu.
1: You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia.
0: When you grow up in the diaspora, the pull towards your motherland can be powerful and some women want to contribute to places their families migrated from. Taula Papa Brenda Edelatu was the first female Attorney General in Samoa, but she was born and raised in New Zealand.
4: When you are born in a place where your parents are from, not from, then there's always a question mark about your where they come from and where your, your roots are from. And I guess that um, was always uh, an issue for me. And it was just a question, probably not if but when um, I was going to come back to Samoa.
0: What was the biggest challenge you faced uh, when you first started making your life in
4: Samoa? It was um, a culture shock. Um, When I came to Samoa, I was 35 years old. So I'd lived my whole life in uh, New Zealand, um, based in Wellington. And it was very different. It was very different at work. And then socially, it was completely different with the significance of, of family things, but also cultural things. So it was a completely different lifestyle from the one that I was used to at home in New Zealand. Hmm. Apart from the challenges,
0: what were the biggest rewards uh, and you find fulfilling with your life in Samoa and uh, working there?
4: I guess it was the opportunity to spend um, time. When I came, my my mother's mother, Marianne, was still alive. So I got to spend a lot of time with her. I got to know my uncles and aunties and my cousins um, a lot better than I did and also just Um, finding out more about the culture, um, speaking the language, improving my language skills, and just um, living in this community. Mm. You were the country's
0: longest serving Attorney General um, in the time. What is it that you are most proud of achieving?
4: I guess for anyone that comes back to their parents' islands, Particularly if we're talking about a Pacific context, it's about bringing back and making things better than than they were before. So it's contributing in a in a positive and productive way to your you know homeland. Um, What I brought with me was um, the fact that I was very well trained. And the Crown Law Office, um, the New Zealand Attorney General's Office. And those are the skills and the training and the experience that I brought with me. There are more and more people from the diaspora moving back to their parents' country of origin. Why do you think this is so? I think think largely because there's no place like home. (laughs) True. And... um, You know, we're very fortunate that um, if you're New Zealand-born, you're Australian-born, you're US-born, you have this um, magical, um, special treasured place that's always available to you and that you can come back to and and discover a whole new part of your personality, um, a whole new part of who you are and your identity than if you're living away from home. And I think that's um, something very special that that all migrants have, but that in the Pacific context is absolutely accessible. You know, unlike maybe the European migrants who migrated to Australia and also New Zealand, it's a long way away. Whereas, you know, in Samoa, three hours, 50 minutes out of Auckland Airport, that's how close we are. Hmm.
0: True. And do you think it is important that they also not only go back and reconnect, but also bring the
4: skills and knowledge with, with them just like you did? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we bring whatever experience, knowledge we have from where we've grown up, and that's what we have to offer. And in return, we have a whole community that offers you cultural knowledge, that offers you an improvement in your understanding of your language, um, confidence in being able to speak it and also helps you and supports you when you want to participate in, in family things and village things and district things. And so we, we have an information exchange, basically, and that's what we each have to offer the other.
0: That was former Samoan Attorney General, Taula Papa Brenda Ether Thanks to all my guests, Taula Papa Brenda, Sedela Nongubatu, Dr. Tane Areori, and Dr. Seriana Natuman. I hope at least one of them, if not all of them, inspired you in some way to pursue your dream and give back to your community. Thank you so much for joining me. Hilda Wayne for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, catch up on our podcasts. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Melissa Macon. Our supervising producer is Kim Lester. Executive producer is Inga Stunzner. Our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Thanks also to Justin Kelly. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. i na bungim you next time.